0: When I came upon that description, I thought to myself, that is the issue. There's a gap between technology and us, and that gap is fomenting all different kinds of dysfunction, all different kinds of dissonance in our society, and we have to do something about the gap. Another way to think about it is we have to fight our way to the front of the technology train. Today, We are not in the locomotive. We are not the engineer. I argue nobody is the engineer and that may be the most concerning factor. Welcome to Insert Human. I'm Chris Colbert. As the former managing director of the Harvard Innovation Lab, I realized many things. And one of the things I realized is that the pace of technology-driven change is faster, far faster than most organizations and most people's ability to change. That gap equals risk, vulnerability, and eventually long-term viability. And it's a particularly troubling gap in the three sectors that underpin modern society, banking, education, and healthcare. It's the biggest existential threat they have, and by extension, we have. Closing the gap requires transformation, and transformation requires a much better understanding of ourselves, because at the end of the day, all transformation is human transformation. That's why I created Insert Human, a weekly conversation with brilliant people about better understanding us, and in doing so, shrinking the gap and increasing the chances of a better outcome for all. Before we dive in today's episode, an offer to all the listeners who are leading some sort of transformation effort. I've learned that the key to a successful transformation, organizations big or small, begins with adopting seven critical habits. And while most of the leaders I've met have nailed some, rarely have I seen any honed to an innate, really effective level. To find out how you're doing with the seven habits, you can get my guide, The Seven Habits of Highly Transformative Leaders at chriscolbert.com. Welcome to another episode of Insert Human. Thank you for joining me. This is a very special day. It's the beginning of my recording of a series of solo shows that track with a book that I've been working on over the last two years titled Technology is Dead. Before I explain what my intention is with the shows, let me explain a little bit about the book. The title was created in response to an invitation I received three years ago to provide a keynote address at the Singapore FinTech Festival, which is the largest financial technology conference in the world. My radical proposal was to present the idea that technology is dead. And what I meant by it then and what I mean by it now and what the book is ostensibly about is this. The technology only becomes of value to us when we animate it by connecting it intimately to the human truth that technology is dead because it is an inanimate proposition that yields no value unless you connect it to us. And my view, and it's backed up by statistics, I think it's also backed up by our environment and our reality, is that we are failing to connect technology intimately to the human truth. One example is the failure rate of startups It's estimated somewhere between 75 and 85% of startups never make it, and even the ones that make it don't really make it. 85% of corporate digital transformation investments don't yield a return. 95% of corporate innovation generally does not succeed. The track record of innovation is terrible, and my view is it's not terrible because we don't know how to build things, it's terrible because we don't know how to connect the things to the humans that might want the things. You know, one of the expressions I've used is, success in innovation is not about selling or subscribing or licensing. It's about gaining adoption of the proposition. And 90% of the time, or call it 80 to 90% of the time, innovation fails to gain adoption. So in the short term, we're not doing a very good job of understanding humans as customers, as employees, as as partners, what have you, but also in the long-term there's a disconnect because even when innovation succeeds short-term, we are realizing that it often carries unintended and often negative consequences. Just take a moment right now, I'm gonna pause for a few seconds And think about the world and the way the world is and what's going on, not just in America and the world beyond the division, the divisiveness, the polarity, the vitriol, the statistics around loneliness, around addiction, the list of concerns goes on and on. And my view is many of those concerns are effectively unintended consequences of technology, not solely technology. But technology has been an accelerator, an exponential factor in driving those concerning situations into really problematic situations. The summary of it all is we have allowed technology to foster our bad behaviors when what we want or need is our good behaviors to foster technology. Another way I express that is we have allowed the technology train to get way ahead of our human truths, and then doing that to be able to prey on our bad behaviors. So that's what the book is about. And before I go further, let me just explain what my intentions are with these solo talks. I've had people read the manuscript and generally received positive feedback. I've also received feedback that it's a little intense, that maybe not because I'm telling things that people don't know, but maybe because I'm aggregating all those things in one place. You know, in our lives, we get a soundbite on climate. We get a soundbite on pandemics. We get a soundbite on nuclear issues. We get a soundbite on loneliness. But nobody, not that I'm aware of, has aggregated all of the issues in one place, nor frankly proposed solutions to the issues. And that's what my book does. So for some people, it might be a a little intense to consume, And so my idea was to start each chapter with an informal, slightly less intense capture of what that specific chapter is about. And so this is my first attempt at doing that. And the chapter is actually not a chapter, it's the prologue and it's subtitled, We Are Human After All. So here we go. As I said, The technology train is far, far away from our human truths, and the gap is growing bigger and bigger. And as the gap grows, it gets more and more problematic. In my research for the book, I came upon an organization called the Santa Fe Institute, which is a research and education center focused on system science. And several years ago, they hosted a conference to explore what they titled, The Growing Gap Between the Physical and Social Technologies. There was a description. In, on the website about this one particular workshop that I just wanna to read to you. And I think it underscores what I'm talking about, this gap that we have between technology and us and between technology and the systems that we rely on to live in our world. The description goes something like this. The central hypothesis of the workshop is that the widening gap between technological advancements and lagging cultural and social structures and institutions is causing a variety of complex societal stresses and problems. These include concerns about rising economic inequality, fears over job losses due to automation, the increasing power of digital monopolies, the rise of populism, growing criticism of democratic governance systems, the loss of privacy and freedom, intensifying societal polarization, a loss of faith in experts in data sources, and growing dysfunction in key institutions. Looking further ahead, emerging technologies raise questions about what it means to be human itself. When I came upon that description, I thought to myself, that is the issue. There's a gap between technology and us, and that gap is fomenting all different kinds of dysfunction, all different kinds of dissonance in our society, and we have to do something about the gap. Another way to think about it is we have to fight our way to the front of the technology train. Today, we are not in the locomotive. We are not the engineer. I argue nobody is the engineer and that may be the most concerning factor, but we have to fight our way from the caboose, if that's where we are, all the way up through the train into the locomotive and learn how to steer technology in order to achieve both short-term and long-term benefit and really mitigate the unintended consequences. In this chapter, we start by talking about, well, what is the intention? Why are we here? What is the goal? Because my view is you can't improve the system, you can't steer technology if you don't have greater clarity on where it is you're trying to steer it to. So in my attempt to answer the why are we here question goes something like this. We owe our existence to each other. We exist to create intimate connections with ourselves and others. And in those connections, to foster evolution of our intellectual, physical, and emotional capacities. And from that, the ability to create better lives. My life, your life, their life. Of course, my answer begs another question, which is what is better? So what is a better life? If we're concerned about the trajectory that technology has us on and are not loving the unintended consequences, what are the intended consequences that we're after? What constitutes better? One calculus is that better means longer, healthier, and happier for all. And I think that calculus is pretty good. Implicit in that calculus or in the means to that end, my view, hopefully your view, is the importance of human connection. We cannot get to where we wanna get to alone. We have to do it together. This issue of anti-globalism is insane to me. We are one people, we are one species, we are all related. And with technology, a positive technology, it has proven the power of our interdependence. So to shirk our interdependence, to deny it, is to be silly, to be stupid, and to be perfectly short-sighted. Human connections create good things. And when human connections are lacking bad things, really bad things happen. So whether the rationale is economic, psychological, physiological, philosophical, sociological, it doesn't matter. And whether we like it or not, we are all in this together. We are not going to go, cannot go backwards on our interdependence. And I believe the only way we can bridge the gap between us and technology, the only way we can mitigate the many unintended and dark consequences is by doing it together. Collaboration. Compromise and conformance will become our only way out, is our only way out. And the good news is there is a way that goes with that, a uniquely and perhaps ironically human way. I call it the human revolution. The book that I have written is part a capture of what has gone wrong and part proposal on how to make it right. And the way to make it right is for all of us to step forward as human revolutionaries. Think about where we are today as a world. Think about what COVID-19 has done and realize it actually hasn't done much other than magnify the problems that were already here. So treat it not as a problem unto itself, but as a magnification of the problems that have been around for years, if not if not decades, and treat that as motivation for the importance of coming together to tackle the issues that we face and march towards the kind of world that we want. Uval Harari, who I'm sure you have read at some point or other, once wrote, we are incapable of slowing the world down. And that is true. The idea of relentless, continuous innovation underscores that the change mandate will never go away. Technology will never slow down. But as some call for different kinds of leadership in today's challenge world, I suggest there's another form of leadership that is even more important. And that is the leadership of us, by us, again, as human revolutionaries. The challenges we face are collective human challenges that can only be surmounted by more of us embracing our roles as day-to-day leaders in the essential quest to realize more of the positive potential of technological change and minimize the negative unintended consequences. In his address at the David of Privacy Conference in Belgium in 2018, Apple's Tim Cook said this, At Apple, we are optimistic about technology's awesome potential for good, but we know that it won't happen on its own. Every day, we work to infuse the devices we make with the humanity that makes us. As I've said before, technology is capable of doing great things, but it doesn't want to do great things. It doesn't want anything. That part takes all of us. We must act to ensure that technology is designed and developed to serve humankind and not the other way around. The we in Tim's comment is not the government, it's not corporations, it's not Apple. I believe the we is all of us. As nascent revolutionaries, we can begin by creating a more expansive, meaningful definition for human progress as our desired destination and begin to steer technology towards it versus continuing to allow technology to steer us down a blind and frankly inhuman alley. Along the way, we will all need to embrace the critical importance of better and more intimately understanding humanity, including our own, and putting that understanding at the center of our actions, our decision-making, our policy formation, and our support. And perhaps most radically, we must be willing to help steer the institutions and systems that we have always relied on, demanding contextual and functional and even radical transformations of those systems and institutions that point towards a more sustainable, equitable, and human-first future. There's a growing consensus that for all the wonders and improvements that technological innovation has brought into our lives, it's clear that it has also brought setbacks, separation, and even a loss of understanding of something fundamental, something about what it means to be human. My pushback is not, nor will it ever be, on technological progress, but rather on humanity and whether we are willing to step forward to steer the train to undertake a human revolution. One of the sad, sad ironies of modern humankind is that for all of our advances, we appear to have lost or been losing connection with our humanity, that for all of our gains in scientific understanding, we appear to have regressed in our understanding of us. It's my belief that reversing that equation will be our greatest innovation, perhaps even our salvation. Let the revolution begin, and I hope you will join me. Thanks for listening today. Wherever you are as a leader on your transformation journey, you'll find more helpful resources at chriscolbert.com. From more podcast episodes and my film talks from around the globe to my blog and books. And if you're a CEO or leader interested in getting my advice, you can reach me there too. Just head over to chriscolbert.com. Thanks for listening.